You're listening to a message from Oaks Church, Brooklyn. Our longing is to see heaven come to earth in our city. For more information on our church and community, please visit oaksbk.church. A reading from John 6. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go as away? Do you want to go away as well? This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Ben. Good morning, church. Happy New Year. We're here. I don't know when you're supposed to stop saying it, but it's the first time I saw you, so I think like the month is good. You know, yeah. we could All just right. go with that. I'll receive that. Uh, if we haven't met, I'm Patrick, one of the pastors here. This is Ryan, also one of the pastors here. Um, here's, here's why we're both here. So maybe you've heard news of this. If you haven't, well, buckle up. Uh, we are starting here a journey, a journey through uh, the scriptures, but more on that in a little bit. Uh, but this is something that we've been working on for the last seven, almost eight months putting together. Uh, and so before we like jump right in, we felt it would be really important to give you all an understanding of what exactly it means as we talk about going through the Bible, going through the scriptures in the way that we're going to do it. Because it's not just moving through Genesis to Revelation in the way one may be often uh, experienced in church settings. And so together, we just want to give you a vision. I want to give you, first, we're going to give you the, the why, then we're going to give you the how, and then we're going to give you the what of, of the next multi-year journey we're about to enter into as a community. Now, <clears throat> this verse really kind of encapsulates the, the why as we kind of start to think about the why. So if you're not familiar with this story, John 6 Jesus has just fed 5,000 people with the lunch of a schoolboy, 
right? And you could imagine for hungry people, this was an incredible miracle. We have a guy in a place where we spend so much of our life working to try to find food, to fish for food, to pay for food. This guy can just like pray over lunch and we could eat for years. Uh, so everyone's really excited about this man and he, he's the kind of leader that we want, so much so that the scriptures say they almost made him king. Like they almost went and overthrew the government to install this man as king. That's just how hungry they were. Uh, but Jesus runs away towards their kind of insurrection. And a little bit later, they, they seek him out. Jesus crosses the water, they find him, and they come back to him and they want more. But more of what? Well, really they want more, they want more food. It's a little bit reductive because I think a little bit more than food, this crowd understood that Jesus possessed something that they needed. Yes, physically, but even kind of deeper, that he possessed access into a new way of living that they desired. And their focus was really on the bettering of their immediate circumstances, right? And so they come to Jesus and they're saying, hey, Jesus, we need the good things that you provide. And in turn, in our, in our teaching text, Jesus invites this crowd not into another meal, but into a deeper level of intimacy. But the way that he does it, this, this talk of eating flesh and drinking blood, you have to understand, much like for our culture today and for theirs then, this is highly offensive, immoral, unethical, flat out gross. Okay, what exactly do you mean that I need to like eat your blood or eat your flesh and drink your blood? We actually don't even mess with blood because it's considered unclean. And we thought that you were the Messiah and yet you are telling us that to find entrance into your kingdom, we must debase ourselves. This was hard to understand. What is Jesus talking about? So this invitation and intimacy is discomforting, it's countercultural, and it actually really forced people to consider just what it meant to follow Jesus, just what it meant to be in relationship with him. And at consideration of that, a lot of them left. I thought you were something that you weren't. Um, I just, I left something, I'm gonna be right back. and they're gone. So Jesus turns to the 12. These are the people that were hand-selected. His rider dies, 10 toes down. And he asks them, so are you gonna leave too? And the response to this question from Peter, if you don't know any of these stories, Peter is the earnest screw-up. He has such a great heart, always doing the wrong thing. Uh, and yet this time, Peter gets it right in such a profound way. John 6, 68, the verse that precedes, or that succeeds our teaching text. In light of this question, do you want to leave to Peter answers, 
To whom would we go? To whom would we go? For you have the words of life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Now, the thing about John 6, 68, it, it for me is a verse I hold dear and it also drives me crazy because it is the most misquoted passage, I think, across the Bible. There have been songs written, you've heard people say it, and time and again, in the face of this question, you may have heard people say, where would we go? For you have the words of life. But that is not what Peter says. He does not say where, but to whom. And I think this is subtle nuance of astounding value. And here's what I mean by that. For Peter, there is an understanding that righteousness and the true things that he needs, just like the crowd, Jesus has something that I need. But what Peter has become convinced that what he needs is not his circumstances or his context. What he needs from Jesus is not a better situation. He doesn't just need proximity with Jesus and he doesn't just need the presence of Jesus, but he needs the presence of Jesus. He needs Jesus, the person. What does this mean for us? The proximity and presence of God are an insufficient substitute for the intimate presence of God. I'll say it again. The proximity and presence of God are an insufficient substitute for the intimate presence of God. Think of it this way. In Psalm 23, the, the psalmist writes, Jehovah Ra'ah, my shepherd, he, he lies me down in green pastures. Lies me down in green pastures. What does this do? This gives us physical rest. You ever laid down in just like a meadow and you're just like garden state, you know, this is the, the greatest day of my life, just resting. But it's, our physical rest can be contextualized. You can find rest by taking a good nap. And then he says, and then also the shepherd, he, he leaves me beside still waters. What do still waters do? Maybe many of you go to sleep by putting on the, the rainwater app. It turns out that being next to rainwater will calm your mind. And so we find mental rest. Jehovah Ra'ah leads us into mental rest because that too is also, can be circumstantial. If you're in the right place or not around the, the wrong people, it's amazing how much peace your mind will find. But then the psalmist says, he restores my soul. The restoration of the body, if you're in the right place, if you're doing the right things, you can find rest for your body. The restoration for your mind, go take a walk, get out of this noisy city, you can find that. But to restore your soul, there is no place that you can go. There is no context or situation that will restore the inner person. That is a work of Jesus. That is the work of the Spirit. That is the work of God. The invitation is not into the things of God as great as Sunday mornings are. If all your faith is dependent upon is being in a religious space and doing religious things, then you will find yourself eventually like those people going, now this is just too hard. 
and you will leave. But if the reason why you do these religious things is really because you're just trying to get around the spirit of the living God, to be in its presence, well then you will find life and life that endures. And so one of the primary building blocks of intimacy is the sharing and entering of stories. I met my wife, this is one of the first things we did all, all times of the night, girl, where you're from? What you've seen, where you've been? Let me tell you about my life. We're just sharing each other's stories. And we're like, you wanna make a story? And we joined our story together and we started a family. We move deeper into intimacy by the sharing of stories. And that is the purpose of this journey. This series, The Story of God, is about entering the story of Jesus so that we can find deep intimacy in his presence and not just in his presence. So Ryan's going to tell us a little bit more about what that looks like. You know, to Patrick's point um, about the difference between the presence and the presence um, there's this way sometimes we approach scripture and it traditionally in a moment like this, there is a, there's a sense in which we approach scripture to get what we need from it. So it's a, it's a bit like an ATM, right? We, we open the Bible, we kind of look for the, the important nuggets I need drawn out of the scripture so I could live my life. And the the good, the good thing, this is a, it's a good thing, it's a necessary thing. It, it's what you would actually call systematic theology, which is I, I, I make categories and I draw out truth and I abstract truth out of the scripture so I can live my life. But there is a difference between what, what Patrick was just describing and what we're going to endeavor to go on this journey. What, what, the goal of this journey is, is not just to abstract truth out of scripture, but actually to form and shape a, a lived biblical theology that roots us in the center of a story. Now, what is the difference between systematic theology and biblical theology? Well, systematic theology says, let's get truth out of scripture so that I can have kind of this sanitized picture of what I should do, who God is, how should I work in the world. But biblical theology says, I'm gonna enter into the messiness of the story so that I can figure out how to live out the reality of this story. Matter of fact, in Deuteronomy, Moses speaking to the people before, before he dies, he's kind of his last will and testament. He says this, you shall put these words in your heart and soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and fix them as an emblem on your forehead. Teach them to your children talking about them when you're at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Write them on your doorposts, on your house, on your gates, so that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of the Lord, in the land that the Lord swore to your ancestors. In other words, Moses is asking the people to do is to take this story they've been given. Remember, this is coming at the end of the, of the Pentateuch, the first, the first five books of the Old Testament. And, and as, as it's drawing to a close, Moses is saying, this entire story that you've been given, that you've received, you are now going to take that story and let it dwell at the very center of your being. And here's why. 
If the story dwells in your being, literally, he's saying put it in your heart and soul. The, the heart was the center of the, of the person in the Hebrew imagination. And the word for soul is the same word for throat. So literally, let these words like live in your throat. Let these words so permeate your being that they become your reality. So that when you move through the world, you move through the world through the lens of the story. In other words, the goal and what we're trying to accomplish by entering into the biblical story together is to allow the biblical story to become the way through which we move through the world. Not by abstracting truth out of it, but by so living in the story, the, the line between story, the Bible story, and my story, God's story, and history, that begins to merge and blend. And that's how you form a biblical theology. That's how you form a lived reality in which the story of God dwells so deeply in you, and that's our goal, is to, is to so embody and wrestle with these stories that at the end of this journey, when I look at my life and I look at God and I look at the people around me and the world in which I live in, it's kind of like that little, if you have, you have like rose-colored glasses, it's, it's almost as if the, 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 the coloring of the story begins to shape how I view myself and the world and God. And so that, will be, that is our goal together, is to kind of build out a biblical theology by letting the story first root its, our, itself in our hearts, in our souls, to, to, to plant seeds and to send down roots so that as we wrestle and move through the story as a narrative, to, 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 to identify with and to spend time in the story, that story will begin to shoot down roots into our lives and begin to bear fruit. And what will that fruit look like? Well, it will look like a lived biblical life, a lived biblical theology in which the story of God has so permeated our story, it's hard to tell them apart. But you only do that by wrestling with the story. And so really the difference between what we've been doing, because you're like, man, what's the difference between this and like everything we've done every other Sunday? Well, every other Sunday we've kind of done systematic theology. We've come to a scripture, we've kind of abstracted the truth out of it, and like here's on a silver platter, like here you go, here's the truth. Um, go do with that what you will. But this, the goal of this series, this journey, is to say, no, let's all enter into the story together, wrestle with it, and see what we come out, see what happens when we come out on the other side. And, and, and to that point, Patrick's actually gonna take us through a bit of the, the pedagogy, how we're gonna learn this story together. Yeah, so if we're considering the how, again, you know, Joan Didion, uh, the author, she said, we tell, stories, we tell stories in order to live. So we're gonna enter into this narrative-based teaching, and the aim is to enter the story of God as it's relayed in the scriptures and allow it in its unveiling to reveal who God is, what God is like, and lead us into some exploration of what that means for us. What happens is I hear the story of Jesus, he who existed before the foundations of the earth. And I follow that forward to the incarnation and I move past into his ascension. And what does that mean when the advocate comes? Well, each week we're gonna come and the how, what we're gonna ask of you is, is to come with an orientation of continuing the story not crystallizing the message. Here's what I mean by that. We uh, read the uh, children's story Bible in our house every night to James. And, uh, and one night I made 
like the foolish era, a silly man that I am, of ending uh, that night story with the end. And he was like, Dad, it's not the end. <laughs> sorry, sorry, son, I'm still learning. It, because mom has taught him in all her wisdom that it's to be continued. Because then we fold the edge and then we wait till next night and we're gonna read the next story. And so what I mean by that, as we come into, uh, as we come into these series, and as we enter this, these messages, what you're going to find is really a lot of storytelling. And there's not going to be a lot of crystallizing. Here's, let me serve it up hot and let me let you take it away. And you can have your like God podcast for the week. But instead, I'm going to invite you to come as you would a child, listening to the stories listening to what's happened and finding what arises, what provokes, what challenges, what inspires, what encourages you. And what does this say of God? Now, we have broken down the scriptures for the purpose of this journey into 16 chapters. And there's gonna be visual aids that are gonna start to appear. One's kind of already here a little bit with the story of God here, but we're gonna have these 16 chapters and they're gonna be visual aids to help us keep track. And along the way, we're gonna have these waypoints. Now, things are gonna happen at the, in, at the start of these waypoints. So next week, we will start this series in all its fullness, looking at creation and God. And we're gonna, when we start there, we're gonna start with the waypoint. And at the waypoint, we're gonna explore the historical, geographical, and the cultural context of the particular scriptures we're gonna be looking at. And we're gonna be rooting them in a time and a place and the stories where they were crafted and the people who they were crafted for. Because again, we have to realize that when we enter the text, the Bible comes on a shelf in a binding with chapters and numbers, but this is not how it was first received. It was received around tables. It was received in temples. It was received by groups of people listening to a story, listening to the stories of their people, a very particular people, the Israelite people, and their God who had established them and who was weaving in all the cultures and the nations around them. And so we're gonna use these waypoints to kind of get a sense of where we are in the story as it was given. But also we're gonna contextualize the story for our own purposes and in our own particular congregation. So we're gonna track the seven different distinct ways we are currently receiving the gospel. Maybe some of you are unaware, but if you've joined the Rooted community, you've, you've, you've seen this in our guidelines, but the gospel, when you talk about the gospel, you have maybe heard it as simple as, you were lost, Jesus died for your sins, so that if you just believe in him, then you get to go to heaven. That is the gospel. That is one version, one facet of the gospel but the gospel doesn't fit on the back of a fake $100 bill. Some of you grew up in the South, thank you for that. Uh, I'll explain the rest of you later. Uh, the gospel is expansive. It meets each of us where we are. And so to that end, we have these kind of seven different ways we've identified that we as a community are currently receiving the gospel. They're up there, invitational, communal, holistic, reconciling, liberating, personal, and generative. You'll hear more about each of these and what they mean for how we're receiving the good news of God. Also, if you've been a part of this community for any length of time, you've heard about the good way. 
The good way is, is essentially the way that we organize ourselves as a people. It are eight intentions that we have given ourselves to through rhythms and practices in our rule of life to establish how we seek intimacy with Jesus. It's what makes you a, a member of this church. It's what you have to do if you want to go anything beyond a Sunday attender. You have to enter into the good way. And each of those eight intentions, each of those eight practices, those aren't just things we like made up because they sounded nice. No, they're just what we've seen emanate from the story of God. And so as we go through these waypoints, we'll be stopping to pick up, hey, this is where we find this intention. This is where we find the good way of Jesus. Now, all of this is the, the why and a little bit more of the how, but I really want Ryan to take us through what can you expect? Because like I said, we've spent eight months on this and uh, I wanna tell you what we've been doing and what we've been working on. So here's some of the ways that you're going to experience this journey into the story of God. Yeah, we wanted as we were working on this, not this to be just like a, a, a Sunday endeavor. In other words, you come, you hear the story, you go home, and that's about it. We wanted this to be a communal experience, something we experienced outside of this space. Because the reality is in order to, to read the story well, to enter the story well, we need each other. And so we need points where we can engage each other because when we're sitting like this in, in these rows, it's actually really hard to say, what is the person next to me thinking about all this? How are they processing and receiving it? Matter of fact, um, a biblical scholar said this, learning to read the Bible through the eyes of, of other Christians uh, is... is will readily reveal the kind of dissatisfying kind of limits of our own perspective. And so the goal of reading communally and these things we're putting together is, is, is for that. So that as in reading together, we, we get outside ourselves so that we can fully understand a story. Because if, if the, we are the body of Christ, then we need the multivalent perspectives that make up this community as we read the story, especially as the story gets difficult and awkward and a little tentious. Why? Well, I love this. One of my favorite quotes, he's from Origen, a, a Christian theologian from the third century, and he says this. He says, in advanced matters of theology, absolute confidence is possible only for two classes of people, saints and idiots. <laughs> now, last time I checked, I'm trying to be a saint, but I don't want to be an idiot. So actually, the wisdom in reading together is to avoid the the, the, the the ego that says, I can get this story on my own. And so how will we do that as a community? Well, first off, I wanna take you to a reading plan we're putting together. We put a reading plan together. I'm kind of pulling together some resources so that you can follow along with the story on your own, in your own reading. Um, because, because we're doing this narrative arc um, of this series, we're not, gonna, this is not, we're not going line by line. And so, for, also for the sake that we don't want to be here a decade, um, we have to hit these key moments in the story. And so that means some things might get missed because, well, the Bible's a long book and we only have so much time. And so there's an individual reading plan for you to engage with. And also, too, you don't have to engage with alone. If you're in a core group, this is an actually excellent way to frame your core group time, reading the story together. Also, our community groups we'll be traveling through the story together. And so, um, unlike in the past, our, our community groups will take a little bit more of a lean towards like a, a Bible study in which 
We'll be providing community group leaders with, with various tools of Bible and Bible study methods so that we can travel through this journey together as a community, reading and learning together. Also, uh, we're going to be working on a weekly podcast outside of the Sunday teaching where we're like, we'll be able to get together and like a lot of stuff gets lost on the cutting room floor of sermons, if you didn't know that. And we'll be able to explore a bit more of like extra that didn't make it into the Sunday teachings. Also, online, we're putting together like a resource guide, like a little library of resources. Like if, if we're teaching something, like, wow, I would love to learn more about ancient Near Eastern covenants. That's a thing. Um, you can go look up, and we'll have a resource guide of how you can learn more and, and, and take the study deeper. Also, we'll be having a, a, a series throughout the year of deep dives. One of those is actually um, Aria, who's one of our deacons of the discipleship, was working to put together Sunday school, like to literally come after the service and talk a bit about what's going on. And then we're going to have some lectures where we're going to have some, like, again, more deep dives into the story. Um, one of those will be, uh, I, usually, I teach a how to read scripture class, and February 3rd we'll have another how to read scripture class. Um, and then our families, families, this is a journey you can go on with, with, with your children, as our acorns will also be following this story as well. And last but not least, we, we talked a bit about art earlier when it came to our prayer room. We're going to cr- create some artistic opportunities for this series as well, using art to reflect what we're hearing and seeing in the story. Yeah. And that is an invitation. Uh, the last slide says, and more. And we're not doing any more. We've, we've done all we can do. Uh, that, that's more than enough. Uh, the and more is, is for you. As we move through this journey and as things arise for you, the invitation is that you would bring your offerings. So maybe it's a, maybe it's a poem. Maybe it's a, a short film. I don't know. Whatever it is that the Lord stokes in you. Uh, and you would like to bring it as your contribution to this journey and to this community, we invite that. And we'll curate and we'll find the way to disseminate it to the rest of the body. And so we just want to give that open invitation. There'll be more about how and where you'll interact with that in the weeks to come uh, and through email and and the website. Um, But this this is a shared journey, a shared journey into the story of God. And so I want to end us where we began. Um, And I wonder if you'd you'd join me in this. I wonder if you would just close your eyes. There's a thing we do around here, Ignatian prayer. St. Ignatius says that, that our imaginations are holy, that we can use our imaginations to, to enter the scriptures. So I want to invite you to do that. You have been in church probably for some time and you have experienced a lot of things. And I wonder what it would look like, what would it look like for you if you were on that mountainside in that field along with that group who are looking for another meal And I'm gonna read our teaching text again. And as it takes us to 
our invitation today, here's what I would have you do. As you close your eyes, as you bring your awareness here into this moment, imagine yourself in that place before this man, this man who had done things, maybe just as he's done in your own life, he's done incredible things. And I want you to listen to his words and see how they find you. And imagine yourself one of the 12. And when all the people start to walk away, I want you to listen to the question that he asks. And then we're gonna hold just a, a, a brief pause of reflection. And I want you to truly ask yourself, what would I answer here? What would be my reply? So again, entering the text, John writes, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died, Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught us Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to us, do you want to go away as well? Would you stand?
as our worship team and communion service come forward, I read the question again, do you want to go away as well? Jesus understood that following him was hard. And it wasn't worth it unless you'd weighed the cost. Because to follow Jesus would require for you to do things that just kind of don't make sense. And would potentially ruin you unless he was good and unless he was true. And so, as a down payment on his faithfulness and his trueness, he offers up his body and his blood to show that he really means it. And this is why we each week come to the communion table to remind ourselves and to answer that question anew. that we would answer like Peter, to whom else would we go? For you have the words of life. And so I just wanna invite you forward. We are going to come and receive our meal, the broken body of Jesus, his blood of the new covenant poured for us. And I also wanna invite you into prayer. There are others, there are ones standing here who would love to just meet you wherever your story may be. And also, I'm gonna invite you too, if, if you wanna offer up your prayer in this new year and add it to this chorus of prayers over here, grab a pen and do it. You maybe wanna take some time to just sit on these carpets and let the worship wash over you or read some of the stories of others. That is on invitation as well. But I'm going to pray and then until Meg comes to give us our benediction, we are going to just respond as the Lord leaves. But I just pray that you would respond some way, somehow. So, Lord Jesus, we uh, look forward to the invitation and to intimacy. To share with you our story as you share with us yours. We thank you for this meal. May we who hunger and thirst for righteousness know satisfaction only you can provide. In your name we pray. Amen. So church, come forward and respond as you will.